Good morning. We'll turn again to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And we read from verse 14. Just at the end of verse 13, it says, And Saul, he came to the high place. You may remember that he'd been going up to the high place and he had met this bunch of prophets with their musical instruments singing and praising God on the way down. Then he met his uncle, and Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you. And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the tribe of Matri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence, and when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upwards. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, and wrote it in a book, and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial, they said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents. But he held his peace. We've been looking at the book of Samuel and Samuel's times over the last few weeks. And we saw last week about Saul coming down from uh, having been with Samuel and the various things that happened to him as he 
who went home which confirmed what Samuel had said. We saw where he was, as he was going up to the high place, he met this group of prophets coming down singing and with all their musical instruments. And uh, that's where we come in at verse 13. Uh, Saul even was prophesying with the rest of them. And then he came to the high place. And his uncle was there. We read in verse 9 that God had given him a new heart. God gave him another heart. Sadly, I think Saul was like the, the seed uh, that landed on the stony ground in the parable of the sower. Going back to Mark chapter 4, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. In verse 16 of Mark chapter 4 it says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. We, we saw Saul didn't keep up what that wonderful start which he seemed to have. He had everything going for him. He had Samuel backing him and he had been told that God was going to be with him but yet we know that Saul's reign was a miserable disaster. Nevertheless the experience showed something to Saul's uncle that something had happened to him. He went into Abner's house. Abner was a great friend of Saul's and his father was a man called Nair and he quizzed Saul about what had happened. He must have had something at the back of his mind which was niggling him when he saw the change that had come over Saul. And he said to him, tell me, whither did you go? Where did you go? He said, I went to find the asses. He answered truthfully, and when we saw that there were, there were nowhere to be found, we went and saw Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me, I pray thee, what did Samuel say to you? I wonder why. Did he have some sneaking suspicion that something had happened between him and Samuel? Saul avoided the question, but Nair was obviously a bit suspicious. And had he seen a change in Saul? Was Saul being modest? Perhaps he thought that if he told them what had happened, they would, nobody would have believed him. He went out to look for a, a, a herd of donkeys and he came back anointed as king. And I doubted probably maybe that might have been part of the reason. But maybe Saul had received instructions from Samuel until the whole event that follows in the chapter had taken place. We don't know, we're only speculating and sometimes speculation isn't worth uh, doing but nevertheless obviously there was some reason why his uncle Nair quizzed him about what Samuel had said however in verse 17 we see that Samuel called the whole host of Israel together at Mizpah Mizpah was the place you may remember in chapter 7 when there was a, a quite a revival took place in Israel it was gathered at Mizpah it was a place 
where Israel is seen to gather from time to time. Strangely enough, if you go on into Judges 20, you'll see that Israel gathered at Mizpah. But in this particular case, it was to, to, to decide whether or not to attack the tribe of Benjamin because of their evil. You know, this was a sad and it was a solemn occasion, gathering all these people. He reminds them of what he was about to do. And he speaks on behalf of God. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He wasn't saying this himself. He was saying it directly from God. And it was very sad. God speaking said, I brought you up out of Egypt. I have redeemed you. You are my people. I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all the kingdoms that you came up against as you made that journey across the wilderness. And all of them that oppressed you. And he said, even after doing all that, today you have rejected your God. How sad. So much had been done for these people and yet, now, he said, this day you have rejected your God who himself saved you. Oh, you didn't save yourselves. It was because of the hand of God upon you. And you have been saved from all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said, nay, but set us a king. They wanted to be like the people round about them. We spoke about that some time ago. It's a terrible danger when we as Christians want to be like the people round about us. How ungrateful, we say. How utterly foolish of them to reject God in this way. God who had miraculously brought them out of Egypt and had brought them into his promised land. And we say, how ungrateful. But are we sometimes not just as foolish? We follow uh, false teachings. We follow false doctrines. We, we, we seek to try and do things on our own and it's only then when we get into bother that we go back to God. Peter warned us that there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. But he says many shall follow their pernicious ways. We need to be sure that we are following the ways of God and not the ways of man. And this was decision time for the people. I wonder, did, did Samuel expect maybe that they would change their minds? But no, he says, today you have to make up your mind. You have rejected your God. You want a king over you. Now he said, what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to present yourselves in front of us by tribes. All the tribes, this is a bit like what happened in Achan's time. Do you remember when Achan stole the, 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 the Babylonian garment of the gold from uh, Jericho? All the people were gathered. And they started going through all the tribes that picked the tribe of Benjamin. The smallest tribe. And then they picked the families, this man Matri was chosen. And then the family of Kish. And then Saul was chosen 
from the family of Kish. All done some way by lot. And when they looked around to see where Saul was, having been chosen by this complicated and elaborate system of will willowing, will what's the word? Bring them down, bit by bit, down to one man, from thousands of people to one man. He wasn't there. They couldn't find them. Looked everywhere. So they went to God and they asked God, where has Saul gone? And he said he's hiding amongst the, the baggage, in amongst all the, the stuff, keeping out of the way. And when he came, this goodly man, we said that a few weeks ago, he was a goodly man, but we never read of him as being a godly man. But he was obviously a lovely character. And when he came, he was head and shoulders over everybody else. He was a massive big fellow. 12 or 14 inches taller than anybody else in the whole of Israel. And he was hiding. He didn't want, he didn't want to accept all this responsibility. He was modest. Not like politicians these days or football players. You know, everybody promotes themselves these days. But here this man, he was quite reticent to have to take on this major, major task. And Samuel said in verse 24, See, this is the man the Lord has chosen for you. There's none like him. There's nobody like this fellow in the whole of all the people. And all the people shouted, God save the king. How sad. They had the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jehovah, had been leading them. A theocracy for years and years and years and with one shout they were doing away with all that they were going to put their faith and trust in a man Saul they had rejected God and yet they said God saved the king isn't that strange they had rejected God and yet they wanted God to bless the king it's a bit like us isn't it we go our own way and yet we want God to bless us we, want, we do not want to be totally committed to everything God wants us to do. But yet we expect God to bless us. We want him to bless us despite our total commitment to him. And that's what these people are doing. They wanted a king but they wanted God to bless them at the same time. And God had said you have rejected me. You have rejected me. But look what Samuel did then. <coughs> Samuel told the people what the kingdom was going to be like. Now we read a few chapters back. He described when the people wanted to be to get rid of God as their leader. He had spelt it out in great detail what this king was going to be like. And some people think maybe perhaps he went through it all again here. He was going to be harsh. He was going to take their family. He was going to take their money, their tithes. He was going to take their land. He was going to take their, their daughters to be servants of his. It was going to be a hard kingdom. 
And we see that later on. With Sam, uh, Solomon, and, uh, you know, they, 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 they raise taxes from the people. And he set it all down. Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom. And then he did a very sensible thing. He wrote it all down. He wrote it down to make sure they realized it. And then he presented that constitution, as it was, perhaps, before the Lord. He laid it up before the Lord, this book which he had written. And he placed that before the Lord. So the people can never say, ah, but you said it was going to be easy. No, he said, go and have a look at the book. What's the constitution say? Americans are great with their constitutions and the rights of the constitution. In Britain, we don't have a written constitution, but there are lots of things that are constitutional. And uh, it's a very complicated system, the British system, but we do not have a written constitution like the Americans do. Nevertheless, the British constitution, somebody has said, has the flexibility of steel. It's very strong, despite the fact that it isn't written down. Well, he told the people the facts of what the kingdom was like, and he wrote it all down. Israel had wanted to be like all the nations round about them. Well, if that is what you want, remember, he said, these are the rules. If we wish to live for God and, and live in the world and try and live the way the world lives, as these people wanted, they wanted to be like the people round about them. And if we want to live our Christian lives like that, God has said, you have my word. And that is the standard I require. Go and see what God's word says as to how we should live in this world. We cannot serve God and mammon. You may wish to live by your standards, but remember, God will not be mocked. We have to live by God's standards. In Romans we are reminded, in Romans 14.10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will be judged. We must live by the book, which is before God. His book. And remember, you know, in, in, in the Old Testament, Malachi, isn't it, we are told that a book, books are being written of them that spoke and walked before the Lord. Someday those books are going to be opened. The judgment seat of Christ, will those books be opened? What will be recorded in them? What is being recorded in my book before God? You know, Paul started off so modestly, didn't he? He was a nice fellow. Everybody liked him. It was a very popular choice. God save the king, they all shouted. And he seemed reluctant to accept all that pomp and ceremony. I'm sure they said, oh, well, you know, he's such a nice fellow, he won't make all those rules that Samuel is reading out. He, he won't be like that. Oh, he turned out to be much worse, probably. You know, after being crowned king and accepted by all the people, 
Samuel sent all the people home. It's all over. You have your king now. And after being crowned king of this vast people, what do we read of Saul? He went home. He just went back home to the hill farm that he had and his donkeys. He was a modest man. He could have started by arranging for them all to give him tithes there and then. But no, he didn't. He just went back home. Strange. But you know, there's a lovely verse there. He went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Oh, he had people there who God had spoken to and they said, you have to support this man. He had this little band of people around him whose hearts God had touched. That must have been a great encouragement to this young man that there were people there to back him up. To have those around him who were prepared to put themselves out for the advancement of the kingdom of Israel. We need people whose hearts God has touched to be around. Very hard sometimes to get such people. People whose hearts God, but their hearts must be touched. God must touch them. And you know then there are people of Belial. Always a but, isn't there? But. But the children of Belial. The children of Belial, it really means those people who were valueless. They were worthless. It also has the, the, the meaning of being wicked, but it also has those people who are worthless. The worthless people. Always characters like that around. Oh, this guy will do us no good. How can this fellow ever save us from the Philistines? Sad. You'll always get people like that. And they didn't present, give him any support. You know, obviously, what did happen, some of the people who were there were, were, were led by God to give Saul lots of support in the form of gifts and presents and the, the like. But these people, they despised him. Who does he think he is? This young fellow, a few weeks ago, he was out looking for his father's donkeys, and now he's going to be our king. No way. No support. Sadly, we get those kind of people quite often. But you know, Saul was there again. He was a lovely character. Do you notice know it says in the margin of my Bible, it said he held his peace, but it says he was as though he had been deaf. <laughs> it just didn't bother about them. They weren't worth worrying about. Sad, isn't it? But he had this bunch of men around him. Oh, that we would be touched by God. May he touch our hearts that we may be prepared to put ourselves out for the kingdom of God. But finally, I just want to look at another man with the same name in scripture. Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Let's read Philippians chapter 3.
Philippians chapter 3 from verse 1 Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. But for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Those who are prepared to, to, to mutilate the body, but not mutilate, mutilate and have circumcision of the heart. That's what he was saying about For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in his flesh. Anything that he had done from a materialistic and fleshly point of view. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He said if anybody's going to have confidence in the flesh of what they are and who they are and where they came from. If, he says if any other man think that he had whereof he might trust in the flesh I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. He was the same tribe as Saul the king. And Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. He could say that the righteousness which was demanded by the law in the sight of God he said he was blameless. That's amazing. But then he goes on to say, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. All those things, he said, I count lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung. He said, I treat all that stuff, all my personal uh, credibility he said I, I treat it like dung like a load of manure that I may win Christ that was his sole object that he might win Christ and to be found in him not having my, my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's what Saul wanted. That I may know him. And of course we know he became Paul. Both Sauls were of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul the king started off modest and godly. Goodly. He wasn't godly. Goodly. He, was, he didn't push himself forward. That was when he started off. He was a modest young man. Saul, or Paul the Apostle, before he became a Christian, he was zealous and self-confident, prepared to act aggressively to further his beliefs. He was prepared to murder. He sturdy-minded the coats when they, when they stoned Stephen. He started off as being self-important. Saul the king became harsh. Oh, he lost all that modesty. He hounded David all over the countryside. He was prepared to kill, to try and murder. He did, in order to maintain his kingdom. Saul, the apostle, he changed. He was prepared to give it all up for the sake of the kingdom of God. Interesting contrast between these two men. 
all Paul wanted was to be found in him, to be found in Christ. Not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That was the only thing that meant anything to him. That I may know him. Oh, that is our desire this morning. That we may know more and more about Jesus. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. It is in the death of Christ that we have come to remember this morning around his table and he wanted to know the power of his resurrection what was the power of the resurrection the power of the Holy Spirit in his life that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead he says is ours that power that dynamite of God in our lives that I may know him and the power the fellowship of his the power of his resurrection and then he goes on to say the fellowship of his sufferings now we can never as we have said before enter into the sufferings of our Lord and Saviour when he died upon the cross for each one of us but we can enter into the sufferings from isolation from friends from having the Pharisees hounding him around we may have to suffer a lot because of our Christian stand someday we may have to suffer persecution many Christians throughout the world are today suffering because of their beliefs we have it very easy in this country we were reading some of the situations in in places throughout the world where Christians are isolated imprisoned those who have converted from being Muslims are being persecuted by national governments the fellowship of his sufferings we may be called upon to suffer much more than we do for Jesus Christ but let us have the same attitude of Paul he says yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ that I may know him Oh, he had such wonderful faith and trust. He says, we're to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy endured the cross. He could see that he was going to have, as a result of his death, a bride. You and me. And for that joy which was set before him he endured the cross endured the pain we sang in one of the hymns one of the hymns there I don't know which one it was uh, oh I wonder what he saw in me 
to suffer such deep agony. What did he see in me? What did he see in me that he went to the cross? He saw in me that there was someone whom God loved. Who had gone astray. And he wanted to show his love and pour out his love upon me. That I might become one of his sheep in his fold. I wonder what he saw in me to suffer such deep agony. Oh, the love that sought me. Oh, the blood that bought me. Oh, the grace that brought me to the fold. Wondrous grace that brought me to the fold. We're going to come around the, the table of the Lord this morning. I'm going to thank him for the love that sought me. For the blood that bought me. For the grace that brought me to the fold. Wondrous grace that brought me to the fold. We thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. We remember him in his death. We partake of the bread and wine in remembrance of his sacrificial death and offer him our heartfelt thanks and he invites us to come and dine this morning. Oh, the disciples had had a rotten night. They'd gone back to fishing and nothing had gone right. They saw the Lord Jesus and he said, come and dine. We have had a busy week. Things may not have gone the way we thought they were going to go. But he says, come and dine. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. The disciples looked and through the mist, they said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Oh, that we may see him. But thank God, we do it until he come. Until he come. That's the great thing. You know, if we were to go through this life not having that hope of seeing our Savior face to face, we would be of all men most miserable, as Paul says about another, about the resurrection. Until he come, we take the bread. Type of him on whom we feed, him who liveth and was dead, we give thee thanks, O Lord. Until he come, we take the cup. As we at his table sup, eye and heart are lifted up. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Until the trump of God be heard, until the ancient graves be stirred, then with a great commanding word, the Lord shall come. O blessed hope, with this elate, let not our hearts be desolate. But strong in faith and patience wait until he comes.